Well, hey, good morning, faith family. How are we doing this morning? Ready to go? You got a Bible or a tablet or whatever device you're using? Go to Galatians chapter four. We'll continue in our series this morning, uh, set free. Uh, hey, let me also just encourage you about tonight. Uh, it is going to be an exciting time, so please come back. Uh, nothing make a, a Baptist happier than baptisms and pie. All right, you put those two things together, it, it is an awesome night. Another thing tonight that's going to be really awesome is we're going to be celebrating Pastor Terry's last Sunday here. And so um, he doesn't know that yet, but uh, we'll be celebrating that tonight. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding just getting back at him, all right? But it is an awesome time. These faith family celebrations are a a beautiful time to just uh, be together. We have a lot of different services. We have different campuses. So it's a place, it's a time to come together and just say all glory to God for what he's doing. Listen, this is not a perfect church or faith family, but boy, I can't imagine being a part of a better one. What God is doing here is absolutely amazing. If you're visiting with us this morning, we're thrilled to have you. We've been having a conversation the last several weeks about freedom. What does it mean to really be free? What does it mean to have a life that is free in God? And we've been talking about not just um, uh, knowing about this freedom, but really experiencing the freedom that God has for us. That's why I've been sharing some testimonies with you that I want to do again this morning and just uh, share some examples of freedom that people are experiencing. And it's just absolutely amazing. One writes, every week God has been slowly unshackling the chains that have held me captive for so long. This week, last week, this week broke me like an egg smashing on the sidewalk. I grew up in an extremely legalistic background. The only God I knew was God the judge. My earthly father at times was emotionally abusive and would tell me that I was a mistake. I grew up wanting nothing to do with God the Father. In fact, every time we sang the song, Good, Good Father, I cringed. Today was like light entering a dark room. Hope is starting to enter my soul. I can stop performing and rest in the love of Abba, Father. Amen. He is... He is a good, good father indeed. Uh, Another writes, um, this individual came from a Muslim background. Um, Her father was disappointed because she was a girl. She grew up in the traditions of Islam, attending mosque, learning the five pillars, trying to make Allah happy. And then she becomes a Christian. And here's what she writes. For the past 24 years, I've been in bondage. I believed that Jesus would let go of me. I served God out of fear of judgment. I prayed a hundred times to ask Jesus into my heart in case He wasn't really there. I've heard people talk about being sealed in Jesus and I've wanted to believe it. But I have struggled for years and prayed for a sign that I couldn't lose Him. When you spoke, now think of all that background, when you spoke of us all being sons, instead of sons and daughters, I felt a wall crack inside me. God sent me a clear, undeniable sign that when He found me, I was made into a treasured son, an heir, not an unwanted daughter. 
the wall finally came down. I'm writing this with tears streaming down my face. I finally understand how much He loves me. It's like, you guys are making me cry. We just pray and go home. All right? I mean, that is powerful stuff. Amen? We're not going to pray and go home. All right? Um, But my point, the reason I share those with you, faith family, is, man, we're not here to talk about freedom. We want to live in this freedom and experience the freedom that God has for us in Christ. So let's pick the conversation back up in Galatians 4 and verse 8. Uh, This book that's all about being set free in Christ. Um, And if you're able to stand, please do so as we honor the reading of God's Word. And look at Galatians 4 and verse 8. Some good stuff in this passage. Watch. Paul says, Formerly... When you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature were not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid that I have labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am. For I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And through my, though my condition was a trial to you, you didn't scorn or despise me. You received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. This is the Word of God. Um, Faith family, I ask you to pray for me. Do you do that? Will you do that? Right now, pray, because I don't have any supernatural ability. I want to be faithful to the text. God does do supernatural things. We've just heard testimonies about it. So let's pray for God to come and work. Let's do that. Let's pray. God, I believe that. I absolutely, I know that's true. I've experienced it. We've heard from so many in this faith family that have experienced your transforming work. And so this morning, we're just going to look at your word. We're going to look at what you have spoken and trust that it will do a work in us. So Holy Spirit, come and do uh, your powerful work in us and all to the glory of Jesus, who we want to be conformed to. We ask it in Christ's name. And God's people said... Amen. Amen. You may be seated. He could feel his heart pounding inside his chest. He could see his breath in the cold, crisp December night as his breathing got heavier 
and heavier and heavier. And as he grabbed the handle of the gun for the very first time, Dwayne knew that his life was never going to be the same. He walked up to the dark green Pontiac, tapped on the window with the tip of his gun, startling the middle-aged man that had fallen asleep in his car. And in about a 30-minute time frame, Dwayne Betts, at 16 years old, was going to go from a straight-edge teenager to a criminal. Guilty of armed robbery and carjacking. Dwayne would spend the next nine years of his life in a Virginia state prison. Later in his book, he would write, quote, I had seen documentaries on prison. I could name movies and books about prison. But I don't think any of them actually captured the sound of a cell door closing and realizing you can't go home. But you see, Dwayne refused to let his criminal background define his identity. He refused to be identified as a prisoner because nine years later, when he was actually set free, he enrolled in the University of Maryland and then went from there on to Yale where he would graduate with a degree in law. What makes Dwayne's story so remarkable and inspiring is not just what he did with his freedom, but what he did not do. Namely, he didn't go back. You see, Dwayne had watched his father all his life go in and out and in and out of prison. Dwayne had watched firsthand fellow inmates that would be free only to come to prison again. He knew the recidivism rates specifically for juveniles were not in his favor. The Bureau of Justice reports that within five years... 77% of those who go to prison will end up in prison again. Dwayne refused to be a statistic. He refused to forfeit his freedom once he got it. He refused to be a prisoner again. And faith family, that's really easy to do. It's really easy to kind of get in this cycle of leaving something only to go back to something very similar. For instance, some of you may know people that got out of a bad relationship only to do what? Get into another bad relationship. Uh, some of you may know people that, that they, they scratched and clawed and finally paid off all their credit card debt only to go out and max all their credit cards again. Some of you, yes, you sold your junk at your yard sale and then went and bought somebody else's junk at their yard sale. Some of you have got that kid, you know who I'm talking about, that got in trouble, finally got out of their punishment, only to turn right around and do the same thing again. Any parents want to testify this morning, right? Can I get a witness? My point is, you and I have a tendency to jump out of the frying pan and into the fryer. We have a tendency to get caught 
in this cycle of moving from one form of bondage to another. That is exactly, exactly what the Galatians have done. Verse 8. Formerly, when you did not know God, so he's talking about their life before they were Christians, before they knew God. In your former life, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. He's talking about their life before Christ when they were, their life was filled with idolatry. They were worshiping all these false gods, although they're not really gods. You gotta keep in mind that the, the, most of the Galatians have a Gentile background, right? And so their whole story would have been worshiping multiple gods. For instance, if you wanted money, you would go to the goddess Fortuna, or we get the, the, the English word fortune. Uh, if you wanted a good crop, you'd go to the goddess Diana, uh, the goddess of fertility. Uh, if you wanted victory on the battlefield, you'd go to Mars, the, the god of war. If you wanted safe passage across the sea, uh, you'd go to the god Neptune, often called Poseidon, uh, in order to get safe travel. In other words, Paul is saying, listen, your whole life before you knew Christ was all this slavery to the gods, although they're not really gods. They're not true gods. Now, what does Paul mean by you were enslaved to that? Here's what he's getting at, and this is really important, is what was the nature of your relationship with all of those gods? What was it? Answer, performance. Apollo watches over us. Even Agamemnon is no match for the gods. And how many battalions does the sun god command? Do not mock the gods. When you were very young, you came down with scarlet fever. Your little hand was so hot. The healer said you would not last the night. I went down to Apollo's temple and I prayed until the sun came up. That walk back to the palace was the longest of my life. But I went into your mother's room when you were sleeping in her arms. The fever had broken. I promise that day to dedicate my life to the gods. I will not break my promise. For 30 years I have worked for peace. 30 years. You see, that's how it works. This is, this, follow me, this is about to be a profound point Paul's going to make. Your past life was all about performing to gain the approval of the gods. And you had to keep offering up all these sacrifices and doing all these things to maintain peace so that the gods would give you what you want and you would be in good favor with them. Now, Let's take just a moment and bring this into our world because if you think this is just something that happened then and not now, we would be foolish. We have idols today. We don't call them Diana or Poseidon, but nevertheless, we have false gods that we worship, idols that we cling to. I've taught you before that an idol is anything that you worship more than God. In Romans 1 language, it's worshiping created things rather than the Creator. And so here's what we do. We build giant temples that we can go worship in on the weekends. And we lay down our financial offerings towards these gods. 
I noticed the ladies didn't laugh as much on that one, all right? And, and hopefully we can gain enough approval in our life and, and have acceptance by others. And maybe through all these things, we can try to find meaning in life. Faith family, these are all good things. I'm not bashing those things. I'm saying they can become ultimate things. And every day, every week, we work, 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 work to worship the gods. And so this is true of us as well. These idols of the heart. But, but look what happened, Paul said to your life, Galatians verse 9. But now, you notice the contrast? Formerly you were this. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, he's simply saying, uh, something's happened in your life, amen? Uh, there, there's been a transforming work of God. You know Him, or rather you are known by Him. Paul has this way of wanting to always remind the Galatians that salvation isn't about you. Salvation is of the Lord. In other words, you didn't adopt yourself. God adopted you. You didn't work yourself to God. God came to you. Emmanuel, God with us. In other words, you didn't figure God out. God revealed Himself to you. It is all of grace, not of works. But here's the question. Come in, Galatians. I'm pretty sure Paul would have said that. Paul would have said, come close, come close, come close. All right? It's just a footnote. Here's the question I want to ask you. Given your past and then what happened to you in Christ, here's my question. Verse 9 again. How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. All those things are related to the law. I am afraid that I have labored over you in vain. This is, if you've zoned out, zone back in, all right? Because this is profound. What Paul is saying is this. Talk to me. You went from bondage to the gods, always having to perform for them in order to appease them. Then you were given freedom in Christ. You became God's son, God's children. But now, by adding the law to faith in Christ, you've gone back into a form of bondage, only not an irreligious one, a religious one. You're like the prisoner that got out of prison only to go back to prison. You're like the person that got out of a bad relationship only to go into another bad relationship. You've traded bondage for bondage. You left one system of performance, paganism, only to enter another system of performance, religion. And what I'm about to say will get me in trouble and I'll love every minute of it. Because you know how much I hate religion and how much we are not about religion at Berean. Can I get an amen? So here it is on the screen. Christian religion, you heard it here, is just as much slavery as pagan idolatry. Because both are based on performing for the gods. I'll, I'll get in real trouble here. I don't care. If your system is a system of justification by works, that is, you have to earn your approval, you might as well worship Allah. You might as well worship Apollo. 
You might as worship any religion you want to worship anywhere in the history of mankind because they're all the same except the gospel. Because the gospel is not you have to earn the favor of God. The gospel is you have the favor of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Preach, preacher. It is, listen, it's why I get so fired up up here, because it's the best news in the world. Every religion is a works-based religion except true Christianity. I think that's a profound point that Paul is making. Do you see that in the text? You, you went out of pagan idolatry, that was your past, and into religious idolatry, and it's the same thing. So notice this on the screen. Moralism is just glorified paganism. I can't wait to see the emails this week. (laughs) Or, jot this down, religion is spiritualized slavery. Now, some of you are going to push back on that. You're like, I'm always uncomfortable when he talks like this. Um, because here's what you want to say. In fact, some of you have said it, and you've said it graciously, and I understand why you're saying it. You want to push back. Are you saying obedience doesn't matter? I mean, you attack moralism. It almost feels like you're saying, let's go out and be immoral. That's not what I'm saying. Let's get that clear. That's not what I'm saying. So let's address this issue of obedience for just a moment, can we? I'm going to put it on the screen so hopefully it's crystal clear. Here's my point. We must live to obey God. Amen? But not to gain approval, but because we have approval. Do you see what I'm saying? I obey God not to earn His love, but because I am loved. I obey God not to earn grace, but because I've received grace. It's the difference between gospel and religion. Do you see? Obedience is a good thing. It's a godly thing. We should do it. That was profound, right? But you have to ask yourself why. Because if you're being obedient in hopes that God will love you more, you might as well worship Apollo. It's the same thing. But if you're seeking to be obedient because you're overflowing with the love God has for you in Christ, that's Christian worship. That's the beauty of the gospel. Paul's saying, I want you to be like me. Look at verse 12. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am. That is, become free like I am free. For I also have become as you are. That is, as Gentiles, you were not born under the law. And I am now like you in that sense. I'm not under the law. So I wish you'd come out from under the law that you've placed yourself under and be free like me. So here's the first part of the text. Okay? 11.15 service, a couple more hours, right? We got a lot to cover, right? Here's the first part of the text, and it's so good. I love it. Paul is saying, why would you trade one form of prison for another? Paganism is the same as religion. When you add the law to gain your approval, it's the same thing as your former life. Live in the freedom you have in Christ Jesus. Now, here's what I need to address with you. 
Paul saying to the Galatians, there are some things I see in your life that reveal to me that you've drifted back into slavery. There's some things I see in your life that are signs, if you will, as to the fact that you're living in a system of performance rather in freedom. So I'm going to give you four signs. A couple hours should be plenty enough time to go over these four signs that are application for us that help us discern, are we living in religion or are we living in the freedom of the gospel? Here we go. Sign number one. Paul notices their lack of hospitality. Their lack of hospitality. Verse 13. Uh, you know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first, and though my condition was a trial to you, you didn't scorn or despise me. You received me as an angel of God. That doesn't mean an actual angel. Paul didn't like turn into an angel. The, the word for angel in the Greek is messenger. He's saying, you received me as a messenger of God, uh, as, as, as a messenger of Christ. You received me for who I was. Verse 15, what then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have, this is kind of gross, gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Do you see what Paul is saying? When I came to you, you received me. When I was with you, you served me. Man, you, your love for me was insane. You would have literally gouged out your eyes and given them to me. And you're like, that's kind of gross. Paul may be referring to what his ailment was. He may be having eye problems. And so what he's saying is, Galatians, you would have given me your eyes. You loved me so much. You wanted to serve me so much. Here's the point. There was a time in your life, Bereans, there was a time in your life, Christians, when you served radically, you loved radically. Man, you were so incredibly generous. What's happened? Where did that hospitality go? Where did that gospel generosity go? I'll tell you where it went. Your idol killed it. Because slavery to performance destroys gospel-centered hospitality, that is, serving others. And here's why. Because you see people not with compassion, but as competition. It's all a performance game for you. Either people are behind you or they are ahead of you. If they're behind you, you want to show off how much better you are than them. If they're ahead of you, you want to tear them down with your words so that you can build yourself up. Religion is a performance game of trying to be better than the next guy. And so there's no real sense of I need to serve you. My goal is not to serve you. My goal is to surpass you. Because all of this is about my performance. It's about me trying to live up and be the best I can. Paul says, man, there was a time when you would serve. There was a time when it wasn't about surpassing others. It was about serving everybody you could serve. Why? Because it wasn't about you. What happened? Berean, what happened? What happened to your generosity? I'll tell you what happened. Your bondage took it away. Here's a second sign that Paul sees that's a sign of drifting into religion, drifting into performance, rather than living in the freedom of the gospel. He calls out their loss of happiness. Look at verse 15. 
Notice the question, what then has become of your blessedness? Boy, there was a time in your life when you were joyful. There was a time in your life where you knew how blessed you were. You walked around stunned at grace. Amazing didn't even do justice to what you thought of God's grace. There was a time in your life, Christian, when Thanksgiving wasn't a holiday. It was a way of life. What happened? Where did your blessedness go? Where did that amazement and awe and wonder and gratitude of God go? I'll tell you, your idol killed it. Because your idol of performance is making you have to live up to everybody's standards and carry burdens you weren't meant to carry. Isaiah 46 and verse 1. Baal bows down. These are the idols of Babylon. Nebo stoops. Their idols are on beast and livestock. These things you carry are born as burdens on weary beasts. They stoop, they bow down, they cannot save the burden. No, they themselves go into captivity. Oh, listen to me, people of God. Listen, Galatians. Listen, Bereans. Listen, O house of Jacob, remnant of the house of Israel, who I have been, who have been born by me and before your birth, carried from the womb, even to your old age, I am he. To gray hairs I will carry you. I have made and I will bear, I will carry and I will save. Faith family, look at me right here. The difference between false gods and the true gods is you have to carry the false gods the true God carries you. False gods you have to carry. The true God carries you. Is it any wonder why you're so tired? Why there's that lack of joy in your life? Why you look often like that? Because many of you are carrying around everyday burdens that you weren't made to carry. I mean, this is literally what your week looks like. I gotta be a better spouse. I gotta be a better parent. I gotta, gotta be a better Christian. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta make sure that they like me and accept me. I gotta live up to this kind of lifestyle that I really want. So I need to go make more money. And it's on and on and on and on and on and on. No wonder you have no joy. Because you look like this. You're carrying burdens you're not meant to carry. They're really not burdens they're idols the idols bring the burdens so look at this on the screen the slavery of performance gotta live up gotta live up gotta live up kills happiness because you're carrying burdens instead of casting burdens it's a little thing called prayer can i give you just some pretty awesome verses Look at Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are what? Heavy laden, and I will give you, say it, rest. Anybody need that this morning? What about 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7? Cast all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Psalm 55, verse 22. Cast your burden on the Lord and He will what? 
sustain you faith family right here. You weren't meant to do this. You were meant to do this. You weren't meant to carry gods. You were meant to be carried by God. The problem is, we do this on Sunday. Alright, pastor said it, I'm going to do it right here, right now. I've casted my burden. And then by this afternoon or tomorrow morning, when you're off to work or school, you pick it back up again. And you're going to, oh, that's right, I remember the sermon he said. That's right, cast the burdens. No, I think I better keep that and hold on to that. And then you go, and you're casting and carrying and casting and carrying and casting and carrying and you wonder where your joy went. Here's the sign that you're in bondage. You're not happy anymore. You've lost your joy. And so this morning, would you please be free? Get your filthy idol off your back and let God carry you. And joy will come in the morning. Oh, Paul says, here's what I see, Galatians. Do you see all this in the text? You've gone from prison to prison. You've gone from paganism to religion. And do you know how I see it in your life? I see it in the fact that that happiness, that blessedness is gone. The hospitality that you once showed, you don't show that anymore. And here's the third thing. Is your listening has hardened. Your listening has hardened. You say, what did you say? Exactly. Verse 16. (laughs) Verse 16. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? What's Paul saying? Oh, Galatians, there was a time when you loved to hear the truth. You loved a good old Bible sermon. You loved conviction. You wanted to grow. You'd say, Paul, bring it on, man. Bring it on. What happened? What happened? You don't want to hear truth anymore. I'll tell you what happened. Your idol took that from you. Because here's the deal, when, when, uh, when your life is enslaved to performance, when it's all about uh, what you do, listen, can't nobody talk about what you do. And because of that, you're dull of hearing. Uh, Hebrews 5 verse 11, about this we have much to say and it's hard to explain since you've become what? Dull of hearing. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 3, that a time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. They'll have itching ears and they'll accumulate for themselves teachers that suit their own passions and they'll turn away from listening to the, say it, and wandering off into myths. You see, when you're idols of self, nobody can talk about you because uh, that irritates you. Notice this on the screen. Truth irritates the idol of performance. Uh Uh-oh. Don't you talk about my parenting. You start talking about my wallet and giving, I'm out of this church. Don't you criticize my preaching. Do you see? Truth has a tendency to irritate and rub your idol of performance, your religion. The application of this is important for us as a church, isn't it? Um, Because if you walk in here um, on a Sunday morning 
with an idol of performance, biblical preaching will start rubbing on you. But if you walk in here on Sunday morning saying, my performance is Jesus, <laughs> what you'll say is, bring it on, preacher. Come on, give me the best you got. I ain't afraid of you. Bring it on, because it ain't about me. I'm secure in what Jesus has done for me, and I want to be conformed to Him, so bring on the preaching. Bring on the truth. I've got nothing to be afraid of because I'm free. Can you imagine a church like that? I pray we are one. I'll put it this way. Notice it on the screen. Gospel-centered churches love Bible-centered preaching because they delight in the truth. They're not, they don't want patty cake. They want, what does God have to say? And Paul is saying this out of love. Look at verse 19. My little children, for whom I am again in anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. That's what he wants. Christ's conformity. Be like Christ. I wish that I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. He gives this imagery of, of childbirth, the anguish that he's in. I imagine that Paul's facial expression towards the Galatians would look something like this, right? So that's kind of how he's looking at them, like, ah, right? And, and what is that? What's this imagery mean? It's really, really profound. Paul is saying this, um, this is painful to say, but for a beautiful purpose. This is a painful process of the words I'm having to speak to you, but it's for the beautiful, beautiful end of having Christ formed in you. Can you hear truth? Are you dull of hearing? Do you embrace whatever God says, even if it convicts, because your idol is not what you do? You're free in what He's done. Here's the last sign. Well, the last sign, we'll close with this, is a lack of humility. Paul sees in these Galatians, because they've drifted into another form of bondage, a lack of humility. Verse 17. They want to make much of you. That is, the Judaizers are trying to puff you up. But for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. In other words, Paul is saying, here's the relationship that you have with the Judaizers. They're telling you what you want to hear so that you can increase their ministry. You're just sitting around puffing each other up all the time. You're so awesome. No, you are. No, you are. Oh, stop it. You are. And it's just back and forth, and it's all pride. It's just a game of pride back and forth. Why? Notice this. Flattery is the easiest path to false teaching. It's why the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel has such a following. Is I'll, I'll create a, a vision of the life you really, really, really want and then just tell you that Jesus can get you there. No, 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 no. It's not a life I want. It's Jesus I want. He is the life I want, not a Mercedes, not my own private jet. I want Jesus. He is my life. But if I can just tell you what you want to hear and put before you what you really desire, I can lead you away just like that. And that's what the Judaizers have done. They've used puffing up the Galatians to lead them away. 
So I'm going to say this to you this morning. Don't you walk in here every week expecting me to powder your butt. I don't even know if you're allowed to say that in a sermon, but if you're not, oops. And if you're looking for like a Christmas idea for me, you, you might buy me a filter because I don't think mine always works. All right. So uh, listen, don't, I ain't your mama. I ain't your mama. Don't come in here expecting, Ooh, let's just play patty cake and make this much about us. Wrong. Come in here ready to exalt Jesus Christ. We're going to make much of him. And see, and and, and here's why this is good news for you, because when we make much of him is when we're most encouraged. You see, I'm I'm not anti-encouragement. In fact, I'm trying to encourage you every single time you walk in here with the gospel. Do you know who you are because of what Christ has done? Do you know how awesome that is? I want to build you up. Come on, but what Paul says, for a good purpose. I ain't building you up for you. I'm building you up to His glory and for the worship of His name. Isn't this a beautiful passage? It's really practical. Here's the the summary. Galatians, you went from paganism to religion. You, You got out of prison only to go to another one. And here's how I can see it in your life. You don't serve anymore. Your joy is gone. You don't listen. And you've made it all about you. That's the sound of a prison door closing. I ask you this morning, faith family, I plead with you, are you this morning doing religion or are you free in the gospel? Is this about competition or compassion? Are you tired Or are you full of joy? Are you avoiding truth or are you embracing truth? Do you want to be made much of? Or are you most satisfied when Christ is made much of? How you answer those questions will determine whether or not you're free or a prisoner. So this morning I say to you this. If it can happen to the Galatians, (laughs) you had better believe it can happen to us. So let's let Dwayne's story be a metaphor for ours. Because you and I were guilty of robbery. We robbed God of His glory and made our life about us. And because of that, we became prisoners in sin. But glory to God, He sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross and through the resurrection, He opened that prison door wide open that we might be free. Let's not forfeit our freedom. Let's not be free only to go back to prison again. Because when the Son has set you free, say it, faith family, you are free indeed. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. It's so good.
it's so easy for us to trade one form of bondage for another. And um, there are people probably here today that need to be saved out of religion. Their whole life is about maybe I can do enough. Maybe one day it'll be enough. Oh, would you set them free, God, from that bondage? That the testimony of their life would be Jesus is enough. He always has been. He always will be. He is enough for me. And that today they would surrender and believe and live in the freedom that is found in Jesus. God, you know our heart. So Spirit, come teach, teach us and apply this word to us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.